wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And just for those folks, because I actually do have a Jewish son-in-law, I want to wish you a Happy Hanukkah. Uh, I think today is the last day. Uh, Happy Ramadan. And if you're into it, uh, Happy Kwanzaa. Though I don't consider that a real holiday, whatever you can, if you're celebrating that because you've decided to celebrate something, that's fine. I, I'm good with it as long as you're happy. <laughs> anyway, so I was going to take the entire week off. I just didn't want the stress of doing it, but I wrote this great book review. So I decided it's probably time to do do actually do the book review. And I thought it was really good actually. And I've also realized when I started, I was going to do this yesterday and today's Saturday, by the way, Saturday, the 28th, I was going, I tried to do it and I tried to be off the cuff and I think I need to stop trying so much. I'm not going to be off the cuff. I'm just going to sit back and, and say this. Here's the thing with book reviews. When I do a book review, I do write a full blog post entry. So if you go to www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, you're actually going to see the book review and you can read it and there's some video there. Uh, The problem is most of my news stories, when I discuss the news or whatever I'm discussing at the time, most of the time I actually write just show notes, just bullet points, and then I fill in the fluff. Dave notices that there's a big difference. The thing is, when I write a blog post, it's very difficult to get through the post because I don't, especially on YouTube, because I don't want to sit back and actually read the post. So what I'm going to do is kind of a mix of the two. When you were with the Play-Doh version, I actually was, I did have the post there. I did read the post um, somewhat, made a lot of stuff up. It wasn't show notes. This is a little bit thicker, a little bit more dense because I'm actually going to review two books. So uh, the book that I actually the book that we're going to go through is called The Diversity Delusion by Heather McDonald. This was a book. Here's the reality. I watch Fox News because I like especially Tucker. I, I listen to Tucker, Hannity, and uh, the gal at the end. I can't remember her name. Um, Ingram. And the reason I really watch, I don't, I, Tucker, I think, is full of crap half the time. I, I really don't agree with him a lot of the time. Hannity, I think, is full of crap half the time. I think Hannity is far too right. Uh, Tucker is liberal in a lot of ways. And Laura Ingram, by then, I'm pretty burned out, so I just listen to her to get to 8 o'clock so I can watch something else. But the one thing all three programs do is they give great book ideas about um, culture, about politics. And this was a book, The Diversity Delusion, by Heather McDonald. She was interviewed by Tucker. Uh, it sounded like a great book. And I'm actually reading another one called Debunking Howard Zinn, which I think is a great book. I've not finished yet. And by the way, when I say read, I don't read. These books I don't read. I, I actually listen to them on Audible. The reason is the only books that I actually buy and spend the time to read are books that I think are enduring. For example, Plato. I bought Plato's book. This is a book that's enduring. Uh, Plato's Republic, because I believe his text is enduring. A lot of... Um, 
Uh, what's his name? Hold on. Scott Adams. Scott Adams, I think, is an enduring author. He has some great advice. He talks about how to argue. He talks about, for example, how Trump won and how we can apply this to our lives. And he is no right winger by any stretch of the imagination. He's actually really kind of, he's liberal, but he's middle of the road liberal. He's a real liberal. So his books, I'll buy. Um, and I've, I'm actually going to review his after I'm finished reading it. I'm about halfway through it. It's a really good book. Very easy to read. Well, the diversity delusion, um, basically in a nutshell is about how the college system is failing our students. And I thought this was important because right in the middle of the diversity delusion, she talks about another book, which I also read called The Coddling of American Mind. And we're going to get into that book also. It's not as good as this one, as far as readable as this one. I, basically, The Coddling of the American Mind was made up by uh, multiple, multiple uh, scholars. So it is a scholarly, te scholarly text. It's very good. But uh, so I decided to read this. And what was disturbing about this whole thing is that this book is about the disintegration of our university system, the replacement of uh, Western civilization icons like Plato, Aristotle, the Bible, Dante, Chaucer, Bronte, and Freud, and replacing them with um, crap like race, feminism, and uh, gender identity. It's very, very, and you can see I was reading that, it's very, very disturbing how we're basically eliminating, uh, we're basically eliminating education for social justice. That's what's actually happening. Uh, now, her book, uh, McDonald's book, breaks this up into three different sections. The first section is about how our children, our st the students, and I'm going to say our children, because the reality is this affects our children. And my conclusion is going to make a lot of sense. Our children are being put in these schools and it used to be just the colleges, but now it's the high schools, grammar schools, even the kindergarten schools. These schools are now molding our children's mind, minds, so that there is no consequence for bad behavior. That's what the first section is about. So let's just say we're talking about um, kids, kids make bad decisions. The human mind, the cerebral cortex, the um, prefrontal cortex does not actually mature until about between 25 and 28. So you can be an 18-year-old. That doesn't make you a mature person by any stretch of the imagination. And so 18, 19-year-olds, like 15-year-olds, 17-year-olds make bad decisions. So what the college's first big issue is 
they allow these children to make bad decisions and there are no consequences. As a matter of fact, depending on the intersectionality, the intersectionality group you belong to, oh, I was hoping that wouldn't fall. If it did, I was just going to keep going. Um, if the intersectionality, depending on the intersectionality group you are, will determine whether punishment is, is liable or not. The biggest example of this first section is the rape culture that these schools have actually set. Now, according to the schools, uh, rape culture in colleges, there's 20% of women are raped. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. The actual percentage of rape victims in the country is 1%, 1 to 2%. So when we talk about, well, um, one of five or 20 of 100 women are raped, that is 20 times what the national average is? Kind of makes you wonder. Well, then what McDonald points out is, well, we, it's not really a rape culture. And here's why. The first reason is that college, since about the 60s, has been about sexual revolution. It has been about free sex, free love, hookups, things like that. And she points this out. And she actually proves this with text messages, phone calls, evidence, and things like that. So what happens is a gal who's been drinking all day goes to a party starts drinking more, hooks up with another guy. The guy te texts her, doesn't text her, whatever. The girl begins to feel very ashamed. Okay, walk of shame, that kind of thing. And then reports to the administration that this is a rape. Now, of course, this is not rape. This is a girl that made a mistake, and that's it. Okay, you had sex with someone. Okay, good for you. You made a mistake. Get over it. Move on. Matter of fact, the 20% that the schools, and she brings this up, the 20% of the schools that, 20% uh, of the students that said they were raped, that the schools said they were raped, it turns out that 97 or 98% of them said, no, they weren't forced. And yet the schools would suspend or expel the male students who had sex with this floozy. They would expel them? It doesn't make sense. And she points out the specific evidence of this. And this is a woman. It's not like, and of course, Heather MacDonald is a feminist. She's just not a stupid feminist like the left feminists are today. The other thing she points out is that the schools love this stuff. So they make committees. And these committees determine whether the man has actually raped the woman or not and then discipline him accordingly, which usually is expulsion or suspension. And in rare cases, probation. Here's the problem she has with this, which I think is awesome. Um... Isn't this, when you're talking about sexual assault or rape, don't, aren't you talking about something like, um, it's a legal thing? 
Shouldn't this not be held within the schools? Shouldn't this be something that is done um, by law enforcement? And But the reality is, it's not done by law enforcement. Law enforcement, most of the rapes that were actually um, brought into the legal system were dropped because they weren't seen as rapes. And a lot of them had nothing to do with rape. It was just, okay, this person didn't want to have realize she shouldn't have had sex with him. That's not his problem, right? So, and then these schools, and by the way, that's the first section. This is the one first part. This is one of the parts of the first section. We're, they still have race, gender identity, and garbage like that. The other part is the schools seem to love it. They actually almost promote that they have a rape culture. They have a rape problem in these schools. It's disgusting. Harvard, and she brings this up, Harvard has said, yeah, we've got a rape problem. They don't have a rape problem. They've got a party problem. They got children that are making stupid decisions. And instead of saying, you made a stupid decision... The schools are basically saying, oh, well, you know, no, you were raped. And they encourage these girls to re to say they were raped. That's the other thing. A lot of girls say, well, I don't think I was raped. I think I... No, you were. They actually tell them. And they've set up rape, cri rape crisis lines and all this garbage. And most of these girls were just made bad decisions. Let's face it. The other thing that she brings up, and this is a point I've heard multiple times, if women are so threatened at these colleges, why are women out populating colleges over men? You'd think there'd be more men at these colleges because it's so much better for them. Women are getting raped every five seconds. Why would you want to send your daughter to college? It's because they're not getting raped. Just really dumb. Okay, so that's the first part, and that's only a section of the first part. I did not, believe me, I did not give you any spoilers. The second section of the book actually discusses the how, why the schools are doing this, and what they benefit from. Here's a fact. Administration in most colleges actually goes beyond administration, beyond teachers. In other words, there is more administrative staff that does not teach anything to the students than there are teachers. What does that tell you? Money. Money. So you've got a rape problem in schools. Okay. So you need to have an administration that deals with this problem. It's like you've got a fire problem in schools. Well, you've got to have a safety administration that goes out and makes sure they check to make sure they, the fire alarms work or the fire extinguishers are full, things like that. That's what the colleges have been doing. And they've been doing this to an extreme. So anytime someone screams racism, they create another administration, another committee about race. They created another committee, uh, committee about diversity and billion, millions, if not billions of dollars are dumped into the school systems by the states who are already struggling financially. 
to create these committees and add these administrators, there was there's an administ there is a dean of diversity and gender identity at some of these California universities. Are you kidding? Why? It just it's it's absolutely terrible. Billion millions of dollars are being I, I want to say billions and I think it is it's at least hundreds of millions of dollars are being dumped into these colleges for these stupid administrations that are not helping our kids with anything. They're not teaching them anything. And this is where the other book, The Coddling of the American Mind, comes into play. The Coddling of Amer the American Mind. Hold on, i got to look this up. Okay, found it. Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukanoff. Uh... This book was actually in this section mentioned by, and I did listen to it on Audible. This book was mentioned by MacDonald. That book, The Calling of the American Mind, is important because it is describes the corporate the corporatization of our colleges. Our colleges are no longer institutes of learning. They're institutes. They are nothing more than a corporation that creates a product and the students are customers. I don't know about you, that's not good for me. That's absolutely not good for me. Our students are made to be challenged. They're supposed to be challenged. And they're not being challenged. According to Haight and uh, Lukanoff, they believe that the reason colleges exist is profit-based. They're trying to make money. They want to give you a reason to spend $60,000 a semester. That's an exaggeration in most cases, but not by much. And administration, adding more administration, is adding more departments to their store. This is indoctrination is what it is. And in order to indoctrinate, you need to have more people that are encouraging the behaviors that we're trying to get rid of, that we as parents are trying to get rid of. A very good, very interesting chapter. Um, if you combine that with the coddling of American mind. And again, it's going to be nothing you don't know. It's something that's always there. But if you combine it with the uh, coddling of the American mind, which in my conclusion, you're going to sit there and say, oh, okay. It, it's, it's astounding. The third portion of the book is the one that has the most effect on me. And that portion of that book is the repercussion, repercussion, on our children, how our children are actually being stripped away of the beauty of art. Uh, education's gone. Education's gone. Um, the hard sciences are really getting affected here. Let's, I, I mentioned the beauty of art, but let's talk about the hard sciences first. The hard sciences are hard. 
uh, mathematics, uh, biology, physics. These are hard sciences. There are absolute truths to hard sciences. Two plus two is four, period. End of story. Now, uh, two to the 10th power squared, blah, blah, blah. I, that stuff you have to have kind of an aptitude for, but here's the thing. It has been found that some black students, some, um, uh, some other Hispanic students, they don't are not apt. They're not apt to be able to succeed. So they're not accepted into these. Most of the students in the hard sciences are Asian and white. That's most students. And again, men, they are a tremendous number of men are actually in these. And this is just shown. They have the highest aptitude for this kind of thing. And here's the problem. That is being seen now by the colleges as racist. So, Here's what's happening. They have decided to lower the standards. You have to take a test before you can become a math major at UCLA. If you can't pass the test, well, it used to be that way. If you can't pass the test, you weren't going to get accepted as a math major. It doesn't happen any like that anymore. That's disturbing. Tell me that's not disturbing. Now they've lowered it so you can have more blacks. You can have more Hispanics you can have more uh, uh, women. And guess what's end up, what, guess what's happening? What's happening is you're having more blacks, you're having more women, you're having more Hispanics. You're rejecting the people who are qualified more and those individuals are failing. They can't get through it. So what's going to be next? We're going to sit back and not teach Einstein, not teach physics, not teach that two plus two is four because certain people can't handle it. That's not to say there aren't blacks, Hispanics, or women in the hard sciences, but they are the brilliant ones and they, they like the stuff. A lot of women who, a lot of women, blacks or Hispanics who have the aptitude for the hard scientists, sciences just don't want to do them. So that's really bad. This is affecting people because people who belong in those areas are not being accepted because they're either white or Asian, which by the, or male, which by the way is racist and sexist. She points this out. The big tragedy affects me only because this is what I studied. I'm an English literature major. I loved English literature. I had nothing to do with it. I had an aptitude towards computer science, but I didn't. I loved English literature. So I'm living proof of what I just said. Um, is that the sci the actual arts are being ignored? Things like the moral purpose of Judeo-Christian philosophy are being pushed back. Things like Greek teleos, which is the means to an end, are being pushed back. 
Those two philosophies are the reason we have Western civilization, but they're being pushed back. Why? Socrates was a white guy. Plato was a white guy. Jesus was a white guy. Peter, Paul, Matthew, and Luke, all white guys. And John, I forgot John. So we're going to stop studying this? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas is not being studied. He's the one who brought the two philosophies together to create Western civilization. I have brought this up in the past. People like Nietzsche, Marx, the Constitution, the Federalist Papers are being ignored because they were all done by white men. Nietzsche is far from a conservative, but he's a white guy. You can't have it. Bach, Mozart, the Beatles, Elvis, Da Vinci, Picasso, Van Gogh are being thrown out the window because they're white guys, even though they had cultural impact and their art is beautiful. I find this disturbing. I love Toni Morrison. I love W.E.B. DuBois. I think they're great writers. But I don't read them because they're black. I read them because they're great writers. Since when does art, which has nothing to do with the color of your skin or your gender identity or your sex, when did we stop listening to this? So, what, we should ignore Steinbeck now? Steinbeck, who was for the working people and basically a socialist. But Edgar Allan Poe, ignore that. The Raven was black. Maybe we should just... I mean, can that be some sort of racist thing? It's disturbing. It's scary. And our children are not learning anything by it. But worse, the reason college is there is to teach critical thinking. It's to teach our kids to listen to what someone says and then sit there and say, Do, are they correct? Are they right? Does that even make sense? The reason I love my Cal State Northridge is I can, uh, education is because I can see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez listen to what she says and said, are, is she kidding? What? Or I can listen to President Trump and he says something stupid and I say, he just said something stupid. I don't listen to these people as fact. I listen to everyone with a critical eye. Our kids are not learning this. They listen to President Trump and they listen to what he says as fact. And if their facts don't match their facts, they drop them. I, I love that. Uh, that's not to my truth. Truth is truth. Truth is not individualistic. But see, that's the problem. Our colleges are not showing you that there is a truth. They're not teaching our kids to be critical. They're not teaching our kids to unpack things. And this is, this is just one of the worst things in the world. And I and Cal State Northridge was a liberal school, yet I got a fantastic education. You know why? Because there was competition. Because I had to do better than other people. 
because I actually had to work. I had to be able to unpack things. I had to be able to see three or four words and make sense of those three or four words or find the problems for those three or four words. Absolutely disgusting what our schools are doing to our kids. And it's going to ruin them. They're going to be our future. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is our future. Do you want these people running our country? So let's get to the actual criticism of the book or books, because I'm actually going to criticize the two books. And I'm not really criticizing them. I'm just saying you need to read both. The Diversity Delusion is a fantastic book. It's really good. If you can listen to it or read it, I would recommend listening to it or reading it. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, she is a journalist, so she does have skills in writing, which makes it worth reading. I think a lot of the information you're going to hear, you've probably already heard before if you're listening to this podcast so or um, videocast. Um the second the the a second book I want to talk about and the book that you should read before the diversity delusion is the coddling of the American mind. I think the coddling of the American mind is really it really concentrates on the university institutions themselves. And a lot of this stuff will make sense. What the coddling of the American mind uh, by Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukanoff, what that actually does is it actually just hits why universities are doing what they're doing and why they're encouraging and forcing high schools and grammar schools to do what they're doing. And it's all because of corporatization and money. That's, that's what it is. A lot of the examples that they bring up are the same. So you will hear some of the garbage and we're going to hear something in a second. Uh, because I, I, I know you don't want to see my ugly mug the entire time that I didn't shave and everything else. But they really, the, the two books do work together. The problem with the coddling of the American mind is it is written by scholars. So it is not as exciting as McDonald's book. It is not as riveting as McDonald's book. But I did, I listened to both books on Audible. They, Fantastic books. They're definitely worth it. Um, but you may doze off. So with the colleague of the American mind, I'm just saying. But the facts are, wow, it is a mind bender. I think it's really, 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 really important that we do face this crap. We do deal with this. Because if you look at the world today, both books pointed out one example that really got me. And there's going to be a little cussing here, not by me. But I think both these books point to this one example that really shows us that we need to make changes to our education system. And we need to force these changes one way or the other. Whether we force them via stop giving them money or whatever. But I want you to listen to this. YouTube and the podcast are going to have different versions of this video. I encourage you 
to listen to uh, watch the YouTube video. But I also encourage you to go to my website, dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, because I've got the full six-minute video on there. I want to see, I want you to see what is actually happening to our kids. And that's what both books actually point to. Watch. You should be at the event last night when you hear a Franco say that she didn't know how to create a safe space for her freshman in Tillman. How do you explain that? These freshmen coming here, they think this is what Yale is? Yeah. Yale University. One of the top universities in the country. In the world. One of the top universities. This scene where a sociology professor was being surrounded I'm not making this up. I had to look it up. Surrounded by 150 students being berated, yelled at, insulted, threatened by a bunch of freshmen, 17, 18, and 19-year-old punks. Do you know what this sociology professor sin was? Let's talk about that sociology professor. This is a man who is tenured, has published dozens of articles and a few books, and is a free speech act activist. He believes in free speech. Do you know why this these children are yelling at him? It's because he wrote an email that basically said uh, students should be able to wear whatever Halloween costumes they want. This is about Halloween costumes. One guy, if you watch the video on the YouTube, uh, if you watch the vlog on the YouTube, the cast on the YouTube channel, is actually in his face yelling at him. These people are crying. And of course they do this stupid thing when they agree. This crap has to end. And it's going to end in one way. It's going to end if parents start taking responsibility for their children and start teaching them. And then these children go to these stupid colleges and sit back and say, no, you're wrong. So this sociology professor, do you realize this sociology professor, the only reason he has a job there right now, they were going to fire him and his wife, who, by the way, is the same as him. She's a, a free speech activist, but she teaches children education because she, I guess she wants children to learn something when they're in school. I don't know, but they want to fire her. The stupidity has got to end and where it's going to end is with the parents. The parents need to stop the stupidity. The parents need to take responsibility for their children. The parents need to understand that school is not a daycare center. They're there to learn something. And when I hear children say stupid crap, especially when it comes to the environment and all this other crap they talk about, I put them in their place and they typically can't answer me. Greta Thunberg was... Someone, a kid quoted Greta Thunberg about how the world was going to be destroyed. And I sat back and said, well, what did she say? 
Well, she said it's going to ruin and the children are going to suffer and blah, blah, blah. Emotion should not be in school. It shouldn't be in school. And that's the problem with our schools. Emotion is in is everything in our schools. How I feel. This is my home. Yale is not your home. Yale is a school. It's made to challenge you. It's to ma- it's made to make you miserable for four years or five years, whatever it's going to be. Because your life is going to be miserable when you enter real life. Why is that so hard to understand? I don't understand. My life was miserable at Cal State Northridge. I graduated from Cal State Northridge. I was thrilled to be gone. The worst thing about leaving Cal State Northridge was I didn't know what to do on Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays because I had no studying to do. I had to compete with people. And you know something? Now I'm in the workforce And guess what? I compete with people daily. I have to deal with a pain-in-the-butt employee next week. And I know how to do it. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. Because what college also taught me is to accept criticism and continue learning. And our colleges aren't doing it anymore. Okay, I'm well. I'm well over the uh, Dave rule, so let's let's get to the c- closing. Uh, the two books, the coddling of the American minds. I cannot remember the authors. I'm not going to talk about it, and the diversity delusion. Those are the two books. You can follow me on Twitter at Runninfool, R U N N I N F E W L. You can download or listen to this podcast on podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. You can view the vlog at uh, on YouTube. Just search for Dumbasses Talking Politics. And if you want to see, you want to actually read my blog post. These are not show notes. This is an actual blog post. And watch the full video of the Yale students going absolutely insane. You can go to www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.